and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins unto God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. But for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the land who carries out evil devices. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Oh, 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 oh,
readings for this, the 16th Sunday after Pentecost, the Old Testament lesson from the 15th chapter of Jeremiah, verses 15 through 21. O Lord, you know, remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In your forbearance, take me not away. Know that for your sake I bear reproach. Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. I did not sit in the company of revelers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone, because your hand was upon me. For you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? Therefore thus says the Lord, If you return, I will restore you, and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall be as my mouth. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. 
and I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you, for I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The epistle lesson from the 12th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, verses 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, but hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affliction. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, and bless, do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what shall a man give in return for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels and the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Confess with me our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today, these words of St. Matthew you heard earlier. From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and be killed and on the third day be raised. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So far our text, dear friends, and our Lord Jesus. Some years ago, a job interview of sorts took place between Mr. Charles Schwab, the one that you know, at that time the president of Bethlehem Steel, and a certain Mr. Ivy Lee, a self-made management consultant. Ivy Lee was an aggressive, self-confident man who, by his own perseverance, had secured this interview with Mr. Schwab, who was no less self-assured, being one of the most powerful men in the world of his day. Well, during the conversation, Mr. Lee, the consultant, asserted that if Mr. Schwab and his management team of Bethlehem Steel would follow his advice, the company's operations would be greatly improved improved and their profits vastly increased. Well, Charles Schwab responded that if, if Mr. Lee could show him a way to get more things done, he'd be glad to listen. And, he said, and if it works, I'll pay you whatever you ask, within reason. And so Lee handed Mr. Schwab a blank piece of paper. And he said, write down the most important things that you have to do tomorrow. Number them in order of importance. Tomorrow morning, start on number one and then proceed on to number two after number one has been completed. Stay with number one until you've completed it. And then then go on to number two and then number three and number four. And don't worry, he said, if you haven't completed everything by the end of the day, at least you'll have completed the most important tasks before you. And do this, he said, every day. Do this every day. And once you yourself have become convinced of of the value of the system, have your men try it out. And try it out, he said, for as long as you'd like. Then send me a check for however much you think this advice is worth. So the two men, they shook hands and they parted ways. And a few weeks later, Mr. Lee, the consultant, received in the mail a check from Mr. Schwab in the amount of $25,000, an astounding amount for the 1930s. $25,000, Charles Schwab said it was the most profitable business lesson that he'd ever learned. Putting priorities straight. Having priorities straight, it's key. It's key not just for business, it's fundamental to life. But we don't always see as important the things that are truly important. We often don't see as crucial in our lives the things that God considers crucial and vital and utterly valuable, even necessary to us in our lives. And so like Peter, again, again like Peter, we're guilty of of not having our priorities straight, of having highest in our minds not the things of God, but the things of man. The things of man, they, they come in all sizes and shapes, don't they? Consider all the times in Scripture that we're given that $25,000 piece of advice, if you will. 
that invaluable advice from God about prioritizing God and mammon? Remember that Christ said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves can, and they certainly do break in and and steal. But he said, be heavenly minded. Have in mind, he said, the things of God. Or, or recall the, the parable that he told of the rich fool. who made it his, this, this man made it his highest priority and placed his soul's sure security in building ever bigger barns to store his ever accumulating things. In this, Jesus said his soul was contented and he ate and drank and was merry and took security in them. Of it, Jesus said, God said, you fool. You fool tonight, your very soul is required of you. Have foremost in your mind, he said, the things of God. Or, or what about even our gospel reading today? That asks us the, the fundamental but the ultimate God-mammon question, really. Remember what Jesus said, what will it profit you if you would gain the whole world? And so many try, don't they? What will it profit you if you gain the whole world and, and yet forfeit your soul? Have in mind the things of God, he says. So often it is about God and mammon. God against things. One can't serve both God and mammon, can they? One can't serve both. Which one has priority? Which one's it going to be? So often it is that gaining of the whole world that tends to be the priority. The priority for many, many of us. All the nations, he said, Jesus said, all the nations seek after these things. And there's good reason that all the nations do. Universally it's done. The reason? St. Paul says, for those who live according to the flesh, he's talking about our, 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 our nature by birth and nature. Our old sinful nature. Paul said those who live according to the flesh set their minds on. Are mindful of and set their minds on the things of the flesh. But, but to you. You who are newborn to walk in newness of life. Remember what Jesus said. He said seek first. Priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. Have, on your, have in your mind first the, the things of God. He said. And his righteousness, his righteousness located in no one else than in Christ Jesus. And you'll locate him only where his word is preached and read. His sacraments distributed where the Holy Spirit's at work. You see the priority that God has set for us. Misplaced priorities on the things of man so often it is about about misplacing or exchanging the priorities of God and of, of mammon. But not always. Not always, and especially for us Christians. So often for us, we misplace priorities because the things of, of God don't appear and seem to be what the minds of men would expect the things of God to be and to look like. Certainly was the case in the sermon text for today. It was, it was the case with Peter. Peter didn't like the cross talk he was hearing. It's not what God was supposed to be about. Shame, suffering, death. He didn't like the cross talk he was hearing. Remember, remember what Matthew reports? Jesus said from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go up to Jerusalem 
and suffer, be killed? No, Jesus. No, don't talk that way. Don't talk that way. Let's not talk that way. Remember what you, remember what you just said about, about building your church on, on the rock so that not even the gates of, of hell could, could conquer it? Let's talk more about that, Jesus. Remember the miraculous feeding of those, those many on the hillside, Jesus? I think it was 4,000, Jesus, wasn't it? Remember the multitudes that you healed shortly before that? And it was, wasn't it great how you, how you outwitted the Pharisees and the Sadducees? And remember the power, remember the power, Jesus, that emanated from the hem of your garment? And how about that walking on the water, Jesus? And remember I walked with you for a time, Jesus, on the water. And don't forget, Jesus, when you took those two fish and five loaves and remember how they wanted to, to make you king right then and there, Jesus? These are God ways. These are the things of God, God things, the King of glory, Jesus. Don't you think it was in Peter's mind, the King of glory, Jesus. Don't forget who you are, Jesus. And Matthew says Peter took Jesus aside. Can you imagine? Peter took Jesus aside and he rebuked him. I would think that for the rest of his life, Peter must have blushed with humiliation every time he thought about that. He took Jesus aside to correct him. What about us? What about us? Are we theologians of glory too? Are we rather embarrassed and put off by crosstalk? We think it's off the mark. It's not so inviting. Are we all too ready, like so many in our day, to exchange it? Trade it in, exchange it for prioritizing principles of living that promise a glorious prosperity in the Christian life. Instead of lifting high the cross, the shameful cross of Christ and then taking up our own hardships for his name's sake and following. Do we look upon the meager manger and stable of the most humble church wherein the Christ, the pure Christ child lies in preaching, in its preaching in it, and in its teaching? And do we admire it less, that humble stable, that humble setting? Do we ad admire it less or esteem it less than the more bustling, bigger temples where, where the preaching of Christ and his suffering are absent and yet it appears that so much more is going on? Have you ever hesitated at the humble forms under which Christ delivers himself to you in both word and, and sacrament? Under the very common water, bread and wine? In what ways have we taken the Christ aside in our own lives too and, and said of the things of God, No, far be it from you, Lord. Far be it from you, Lord. At times it's misprioritizing God and mammon. At other times and so often it's wrongly prioritizing expectations of glory and the cross. But like Peter, no doubt we're guilty of having in mind the things of men, not the things of God. And even though it's true that 
that we haven't made him our priority. He's made us his priority. He's made us his priority. He set aside the glory of heaven. Set it aside. And he left the place where angels dwell and voices are raised to him in a constant stream of unbroken harmony. And he left it all. Leaving the company of heaven with with singleness of mind. The immortal son of God assumed very mortal flesh. For this purpose, he said. For this purpose alone I came into the world. That as I am lifted up I will draw all men to myself. And St. Paul adds this, he said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. There's a mission statement for you. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. His purpose was plain. His priority was you. His priority was you. And so as our text tells us, from that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must... He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and be killed and be raised on the third day. You must note this well, that brief little word that Matthew includes there, must. In the Greek it's day, a three-letter word, D-E-I, day. And though a little word in the Greek, it makes an awfully big impact on things because it marks absolute necessity, day, must. Must, putting all else aside, Jesus began from that time, and there was no option. Jesus began from that time to show that to Jerusalem is where he must go with divine intent and divine resolution. In his mind, there was no option. In his mind, there was no alternative. For you, he had to get to destination Jerusalem. His life was a life under the cross, headed toward the cross. For you, he had to suffer. For you, he had to die. For him, it was a must. Because had he not, then for you and for me, the suffering and the dying for eternity would have been a must. It would have been our necessity had he not taken it upon himself with divine resolve With you in mind, he had to go to Jerusalem to accomplish the task for which he came, for which he so willingly came and he did. Resurrection approved. You know, you're still highest priority to him. You you need only look as far as as his table this morning. And you see that that he still brings to you in humble form, in humble sacramental form, the forgiveness of sins that he, he won for you in humble form on the cross. You know, the writer of the Hebrews reminds us that Christ had you most in mind, and we, we never can forget that. How do you know? Because he writes this, He for the joy set before him, you heard it reflected in the collect for the day. He for the joy set before him, And that's you. That's me. And our eternal salvation, He for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame. The joy is you and me. And of course, you know that the writer of the Hebrews isn't finished 
there. The writer of Hebrews isn't finished there. He goes on in that verse. With that verse, he goes on this way, ascending from the valley of of the cross. The lowly cross, ascending from there to say this, Yet he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And that's glory talk. No longer cross talk, now that's glory talk. You see, the glory that so often is placed so high in the minds of men here below has not escaped the mind of God. Glorious is your destiny. Glorious is your destiny, for Christ said, where I am, there you shall be. But as one has noted, and very rightly so, there are no crown wearers in heaven that were not cross bearers here on earth. And you think back to our gospel reading, and isn't that exactly what Jesus said? He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So like we sang just a moment ago in the hymn, and so bear the cross, whatever be tied, take his example as your guide, but do so knowing this, knowing that whatever cross you've been given to bear, that is whatever you must suffer for his name's sake, and the confession of it, because that's a true cross, bearing what you must bear and what you've been given to bear for his name's sake, Whatever it be, be mindful of it with heaven's time in view. Be mindful of it with heaven's time in view. Dr. Herman Gockel, you know the name well. He used to be a member of this congregation, an author of several devotional books, once emphasized that very point of having, having heaven's time in view when bearing crosses and feeling the strains of earth, earth's pilgrimage. He said, have heaven's time in view. He said it this way. He said that travelers to distant countries, they've been known to keep one timepiece set to the the time of their native land so that for reasons of sentiment, they might always know what time it is in their homeland. So he says, in a somewhat similar sense, Christians here below, cross-bearing pilgrims, they keep one clock, the clock of faith and trust, in time with the clocks of our Father's house in heaven. And so Dr. Gockel remarks, he said, the answer to my prayer or the lifting and the bearing of my cross, the deliverance from a painful sorrow or the granting of a long-sought pleasure here below are all scheduled for fulfillment. Not according to the clocks on the walls of the world, but according to the clocks of eternity. For all of us, dear friends, we pray that God keep us throughout all our days. And as we bear crosses in this world, mindful of the cross that he's born, mindful of the things of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
over the whole company of your people through the baptismal flood. As you have cleansed us by that washing of water in the word, so enable us by your spirit to crucify the passions of the flesh and to daily rise to our new life in your Son, seeking first the kingdom in him. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. By the cross of your Son, you have not left us to ourselves, but sent him to become man and take on the suffering of our sin, and our hell for us. Making us your own, you also enable us by your grace to bear whatever burdens and afflictions come our way as we live in, but are not of the world. Strengthen us in our resolve to bear whatever cross you allow to be laid upon us as we trust in you to give us the strength needed for each day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Establish, O Lord, your will for our nation through the political process by which the leaders of our country are chosen. To that end, grant unto the candidates of all political parties that openness and integrity which clearly states positions and proposes policies so that voters may choose between the alternatives offered. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Through the compassion of the nations and your church, be the helper of those who suffer from the natural disasters of our times. To that end, we pray especially that you would come to the aid of all who suffer because of the hurricane winds and the waters that have ravaged the Caribbean and threatened the Gulf area of our nation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You have, O Lord, created every vocation to be a blessing unto mankind. Work through each of us in our various callings in life to accomplish your good in our families and community and nation and world. Protect all who honestly labor that all that you've called them to do and provide us with the basic necessities of life and every other additional blessing that you desire us to have, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. To that end, we ask that you would be with and bless our brother in Christ, Andrew Hall, and his wife, Phoebe, as they spend the coming year in research and study in Vietnam and China, preserve them, protect them, return them safely home, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Be, O Lord, our holy physician, healing the minds of the distressed and the weary and the bodies of the sick, the ailing and the dying. Look mercifully upon your servants who suffer physical affliction of any kind, especially today do we pray for Ruth Allfeld and Paul Duell and others of our families and church family who are ill. Grant them your grace that they may be healed or enabled to bear their infirmities in accordance with your holy will, Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. With those who rejoice, we too rejoice. And especially today with Teresa Oatman at the birth of her new granddaughter, Elizabeth Nicole. Guard and keep this child. Receive her as your own through the water of holy baptism. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
Make us attentive, O Lord, to your word, and by it prepare us now to receive the very body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in the sacrament of his supper. Through it, forgive us our sins and strengthen our faith that we may consistently encourage one another in it and confess our faith in you with one voice to all the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We offer, almighty Lord, our thanks and adoration for the saints before us who daily took up their crosses and followed you, especially for those who have recently died, Vernon Lee, Earl Means. Comfort the grieving, guide us all, that we may follow our Lord Jesus Christ with those who walk before us his path that leads to that final endless day of your eternal life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In the stillness of our faith, we wait patiently for you, entrusting all for whom we pray to your steadfast love, weeping with those who weep, rejoicing with all who rejoice in your salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. salutary that we should at all times and all places give thanks unto you holy lord almighty father our everlasting god through jesus christ our lord who having created all things took on human flesh and was born of the virgin mary who for our sake died upon the cross and rose from the dead to put an end to death thus fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and we magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Send your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and to be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood upon the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, 
now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you.
God the Father, the fountain and the source of all goodness, who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in the sacrament. And we ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled to serve through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.